need to be smooth. We need to bring the voice down. We need to bring it down, smooth it out. We want the drive home, ABC 774, at two in the morning, that sort of situation. Well, that's not a drive home, but that's a drive somewhere. I want the voice to be, I want you to be captivated in this episode. I want you to feel, I want you to feel drawn in to my voice. Oh, shit. I've hit things, I've hit the microphone. All right, I might just go. It's down, it's down here, but I can't sustain it, so let's go. Hello and welcome to Feels, a podcast for Aussies and Kiwis to honour their feelings and their mental health. Feels is what I would describe as an ear island or an ear paradise. That is, it's, it's a holiday in your ears, really. I mean, I'd describe this podcast, if it's your first time here, as a place where real talk meets silliness. But of course, I am Bree Stewart. I'm the host of this particular podcast. I work in mental health and uh, I continue to recover from my own mental health diagnosis on a daily basis. So I feel like I'm at least, I don't know, semi-qualified to talk about feelings. But you know, Australians and Kiwis, we tend to stigmatize ourselves. We tend to think that we've just got to get on with it. And uh, resilience is something that is an incredible skill in humans, but it does erode. So I hope that this podcast serves as a safe space for you to just fucking let your shit go. Enjoy. Here it feels I'd like to recognize and pay respects to the traditional owners of the land on which I record today. I acknowledge sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. So team, I'm not going to wank on for too long today because we have a delicious Zoom interview coming up with Melbourne's least wanky yoga teacher, Caitlin Taylor. I would call her the anti-wank. It's very rare that you come across a yoga teacher who wears her tiger's beanie after having a pint at the pub and still can hold space for your spiritual needs, your physical needs. And... uh, She's a fucking gem. And actually, while whilst we recorded this episode, Caitlin was in a very hard lockdown in Melbourne during the Toyota Corolla virus, of which sadly Melbourne is still in. But she's since fled that beautiful yet highly infested city. And, and she's... Oh, that's my fucking phone. It's not a professional podcast. I never said it was a professional podcast. I just said it was a podcast. As I was saying, Caitlin is now living in the Northern Territory. So if you're in Darwin, keep an eye out for her incredible yoga teacher for those that live in darwin she'll probably incorporate some kind of alpha kangaroo pose while sipping on a northern territory draft something like that but if you're ready to learn a bit about yoga and you're ready to talk a bit about feelings stay tuned here we go i'm going to throw to the the um what's called the podcast jingle i'm not sold on it but alas here it comes oh You can hear me, eh? All good. Yeah, can you hear me? All good? Yeah. Prior to becoming the nation's personal herpes, if you live in Melbourne City and go to yoga classes, you may have come across my current guest today who has taught yoga across many of the studios around Melbourne City. Caitlin has delivered yoga to a series of athletes, men's football teams, AFLW teams such as the Melbourne Demons, um, props to Daisy. What's up, hun? Uh, <laughs> Caitlin studied trauma sense of yoga and holds each space with a dollop of creative expression and comedic nonsense. Caitlin Taylor, welcome to my sanitary podcast. How do you feel? Oof, what an intro. I feel um, excited to be here to start Mm. um it's funny like the question how do you feel if you had have asked me last year you know you kind of say I feel tired or I feel hungry it's very much a like one or two sentence type type answer but pandemic feels (laughs) uh pandemic feels it's a it's another layer they when I um sign into work these days I have to scan a QR code you know Mm. And it takes you to a link and you have to answer these questions. And the first question is, uh, how do you feel? And there's only two options. And one is well or unwell. <laughs> and every morning, 
I just stare at it. I'm like, well, that's a very loaded question. And it becomes this whole, whole existential dialogue in my head of, well, I'm not well. I'm not well. What do you mean by well? What, like, what does well mean? I'm certainly not well. But if I press unwell, it's like the floor is going to open up and sirens are going to go off and they're going to evacuate me from the building. And that so. girl from the exorcist is going to spider crawl down the stairs backwards. <laughs> exactly. Hey. So I, I always tick well every morning. <laughs> oh, yes, sir, I am well, but I am not well. <laughs> So to answer hey. your question, uh, yeah, um, I tell you what, today I actually feel well. I feel good. And you know why? Because yesterday I discovered a banana passion fruit. Yes. Oh, what the fuck was that? That you put, you put this on your Facebook yesterday it, and it got a, an unbelievable amount of social media attention. What was that? Because it looked quite frightening. Okay. So... I found this little sausage-like contraption on my boss's desk, furry and yellow, and I peeled it in inside with little baubles like a passion fruit, and I said to my boss, what the absolute fuck am I looking at? And he was so nonchalant, like, well, duh, it's a banana passion fruit. I don't know. I actually don't know what that is, dude. I still, when you, no, I'm not sure about it. No, nobody's sure. I'm not sure. Like the prefrontal cortex doesn't process this, (laughs) but for me, it's given me this like zest of life because it's the newest thing I've seen since March, you know, like Mm. I have not experienced anything remotely new apart Mm. from perhaps new depths of depression that, you know, that has been happening day to day. So today I feel good because yesterday I saw a banana passion fruit and this morning I attempted to go for a bike ride, which I haven't done for many, many moons. So that also stimulated that part of me that craves new experience, which is a huge part of my personality. Hey, Dal, you've just made me really hyper aware to the fact that there's a hierarchy of feelings in this pandemic so i'm in sydney we're not in lockdown but it's ambivalent it's an ambivalent time i don't think we have the freedom of like wa but you're in melbourne hard lockdown prison system lockdown not really but in the sense of like emotionally speaking you're in an emotional prison uh, how do you feel well or unwell is very different state by state in this country right now, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the, the concept of wellness, like what, you know, Gone. we, we take that as such a, not necessarily objective, but you know, there seems to be some basic consensus about what wellness means, but we have had, you know, so much of what, we um, need to do to stay well taken away from us, I suppose, mainly, you know, interaction with, with people that we love face to face, you know, that contributes to a big part of what's considered well-being. So, um, you know, we're contending with something so unknown and we're contending with sitting with our own shit day in, day out, which there's, a part of me that's always advocated for that in a way, you know, I, I, I like, so I'm someone who likes solitude. I'm someone who likes to face how I feel. I'm someone who likes to face my emotions. I'm someone who likes to sit and stare at my wall for an hour with, you know, no interruptions, but <laughs> when oh, wait, the choice, mate, tell them, tell them how many, how many fantasy books have you read? How many fiction fantasy books have you read in the last month? All right. So Melbourne, 2.0 lockdown. Mm. This is the 2. fifth 0. week. Yeah. Yeah. This is the no, fifth week. Of, of 2.0? Week. Of 2.0. Yeah. I thought it was Fourth the week. third. Nah, because my first three weeks were deep, deep, deep depression. So I measure that in my mind and I've come out of that <laughs> the past two weeks. <laughs> so I'm now at anxiety week four. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I think it's week five, but anyway, regardless, yeah. um, I'm on book five of a fantasy series that I started at the start of lockdown. Um, and I don't think that people listening won't quite understand the size of these fucking books, man. <laughs> it's like this girl's version of Valium mixed with life crack. Like they're 
thick books, dude. Like that book, that book in itself in my life, that's like a month and a half. Yeah. The last book, book four was a thousand pages. So that took me a week and a half to be brutally honest with everybody listening. It wasn't a one week, one book ratio that I was um, started <laughs> lockdown with. I let it slide a little. So, but yeah, it's been, it's weird. It's just straight up avoidance. It's straight up like tapping out. It's mm. straight up like give me a world <clears throat> of action and give me a world of travel and give me a world of yeah. new experiences that I'm not having right now. Um, and it's, it's working for me to get that sense of escapism. But that's you know? what I, we all. Yeah. And that's what I keep. The, the thing is at the minute is that I'd, again, like, right. I think it was episode two of this podcast, maybe three was my first episode with Erin. And, you know, we planned out the episode, not knowing COVID was going to happen. It was in the first fortnight of any notion of even what it was. And Erin said, we're about to move into Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And she was right. So we're moving into that just survival baseline. You need your food, your water, you need shelter. And people are still just fucking shooting for the stars at the minute and putting pressure on themselves, not understanding. Acknowledge you're a, there's this primitive part of being human and that's okay. And that's that we need social connection, access to nature, access to things that make us happy, leisure, pleasure. It's part of it. I love that you are just a hundred, especially for a yoga teacher. I think it's so humbling to hear a yoga teacher say fucking depression, anxiety, wine and books. Yeah. You know, I think you made a really good point about the concept of pressure. And I think our society day in day out is like how can we put more pressure on ourselves? society is continually and we like embody this and internalize it how can i be better every day how can i be better how can i be better what can i do that makes me a better person be better be better be better eat better exercise more do this uh be smarter read more things and that's the way we fucking live day in day out and i think that I don't know, from a young age, I've tried really hard to fight against that in a way and be more primitive in the way I live and seek out like basic needs. So that's serving me now, but I'm finding this real, you know, frustration with the people that have so much privilege and power and voice that are continuing that narrative in these times. You know what I mean? And it's not I mean, it's not their fault because that, it's so inbuilt in us, you know, because of the external influences. But yeah, it's a continuum. For sure, for sure. But, you know, it's the last thing anyone needs right now to see some fucking idiot in a bikini doing a handstand with a quote saying, had my smoothie this morning, did my meditation, did a job. What are you doing for self-care? What, what are you doing? hashtag look after yourself, hashtag <laughs> mental health. Like you are fucking disrupting and ruining my mental health right now. You know, uh, disrupt, yeah. stop disrupting the, the flower men between <laughs> the hummus and the fridge, the crackers in the cupboard and the fantasy <laughs> novel on my couch. You stupid bitch. That's going to be the most fun part of shooting the shit with you today. Because <laughs> what I wanted to talk to you about is the fact that I am a total cynical when it comes to <laughs> yoga. And as someone who works in mental health, you also work in mental health. Uh, we know the importance of practices such as yoga, such as meditation, anything that really centers around mindfulness. But I, I'm a cynical about it. And uh, for anyone that's listening, in case you can't tell already, Caitlin's like definitely a very good friend of mine. <laughs> I did not embark on my personal journey with yoga until um, I met you. And the reason being is I always thought, what a pack of wankers. And what it was for me was I don't hate the game. I hate the player, right? Like the game made sense to me. From what I understood about yoga, it was the intent is so beautiful. But all the people that represented it in Melbourne were really off-putting. I think the second yoga class I ever did 
was one of yours, but yours was the second. I remember like I'm sitting there and the, obviously I was doing yin cause I didn't, you know, I wasn't quite up to um, vinyasa at that stage, but you were like, all right, everyone just, we're just going to let go of our shit. And it was just like cut through, <laughs> like, you know, all the wank. And um, I just remember thinking, oh, this is fucking wicked. You had your tiger's beanie on while you're teaching <laughs> like 30 people in Fitzroy about like namaste. But what was the original intent when yoga came to Western culture? Well, I think it's really like ironic and interesting because to me, the intent is to get to that point, like you were saying, beyond all the bullshit that, beyond all the layers of stuff that our brain adds on, beyond all the layers of conditioning, thought, memory, history, critique, self-loathing, that our brain is continuously doing that stops us from experiencing uh, reality directly. Mm -hmm. Right? Like... The, the history of yoga is very complex, the philosophy, the psychology, the, and there's even like different opinions in the like philosophical underpinnings. Okay. You know, the, um, there's duality and non-duality. I won't fucking bang on about that. I'm not <laughs> enough wines deep. But, the you know, from a like modern practical day-to-day point of view, it's to, like you said, cut through the layers of the shit that we're contending with. And we walk around not experiencing life we walk around in our heads you know like and you know how often do you walk from a to b and you're thinking about something and you're thinking about something that's pissed you off and so your feeling in that moment is anger or it's frustration or it's you know like just heightenedness anxiety because of the way our brain is processing things so for me the point of yoga is to try and give your like attention or your awareness something else to focus on it's like this sense of underneathness you know like and that's the expansiveness that's the true self like we're not all of these things that our brain thinks we're not we're not our thoughts you know and it sounds like a real cliche fucking roomy quote underneath the bikini handstand like we're <laughs> there's not our nothing thoughts, wrong with cliche not. roomy quotes though eh? like, that's the <laughs> one thing you know roomy like for anyone that's on fucking instagram he yeah. was good he has some good sayings some great words some great poems it's just the pairing of his words with the shots that you know get to me yeah with the the complex asana with your Mm. leg over your head and maybe your flaps falling out for good measure you know (laughs) doesn't quite match with the roomy quote she's got a moose knuckle and a roomy quote left and center (laughs) And that's, that's what I've always loved about you is um, I've been, okay, I've been in these, you know, yoga is so intimidating to walk into when you've never done it before, because God, everyone in that room is attractive. All the men have their shirts off. The girls are in Lululemon and they're fit and gorgeous. And then there's like this row. I'd be in your classes doing like that bird and bath shit that you get us to do <laughs> tipping over <laughs> no core strength and I felt safe and I felt comfortable. But my concern is when I see on Instagram, these people doing these outrageous poses and like, come join my uh, level one, da da da. I'm like, Oh my God, people are going to walk in there and expect they're going to be able to do that by the end of a class. Like it's uh, what are your thoughts on that? Like how has this happened? I suppose. It makes me feel super sad. You know, when I, and I've had this conversation so many times and it's such like an inner conflict with me having been a part of the industry for the past four or so years, four to five years, um, how we've got to this point, you know, I think it's got so much to do with the aesthetic nature of how we live and that, um, and our phones, honestly, like our, our phones and our um reliance on that reproduction of what yoga is rather than the experience of what it is um and that's unavoidable you know and i'd love to get to the point where i can have a conversation of okay how do we marry up the two in a way that works but i'm still at the point of frustration with how people use it or how people represent yoga and i and to the point where I tap out, like you'll barely see anything yoga related on my Instagram. I will, I cannot teach yoga full time. I can't do something I love and that I'm good at 
because I cannot market myself because I can't, like, I can't see a way to enter into that world yeah. and, and keep my authenticity because not like nothing about the aesthetic of yoga relates to what we're trying to achieve as teachers. Like right. it's in, it's in direct, like not even contradiction. It just like, and not even like muddies it or taints it. Like I'm not trying to, I'm no Puritan at all. I wear my fucking tigers beanie and I've taught a few beers deep from the first half of the footy, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm no way, shape or form a yoga Puritan. It's more the sense that it's, it's intention is really simple, you know, and mm. it's to get people to experience the moment from the inside rather than the outside. Mm. Right. And we're yeah. continually conditioned by the outside. And so I, I can't correlate, you know, posting pics with like, teaching you I, I yeah. can't like marry the two up so I think what frustrates me is that people don't think about this for themselves it's not that they don't think it's that they don't you know they don't enter into it having a good hard look at what their intention is it's more like oh that's what teachers do so that's what I must do in order to get X amount of followers and be X, Y, Z. So they're losing their kind of like their own sense of individuality or connection to what the practice means because they're kind of mirroring what they think people are going to like. Um, it's like more yeah. like pop culture or more like, you know, that consumer culture. So you say it's becoming a little bit more about um, if I can do crow's pose I, you know, it's, is it almost kind of becoming a bit of like a, not there's again, nothing wrong with CrossFit or F45, but it's that same kind of principle of, I want to be able to do crow's pose because then I've achieved X. I can upload it on my Instagram. Even if you don't upload it on your Instagram, what you're saying is trying to achieve X or trying to actually contradicts the original intent of the practice of yoga. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, look, you'll meet so many yogis who are really into like achieving handstand and like mm -hmm. achieving these, um, the physical components of like yoga asana. Um, and they will probably give you some good philosophical justification for why that's the way they practice or why they're into that. For me, it's just, it, do it doesn't match up with my interpretation of yoga. Um, it's fun for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's challenging um, but it puts people off, you know, and like yeah. all I fucking want to do is make people feel a part of something. Uh, all I want to do is make people feel included. All I want to do is make people feel enough. And that shit, it just doesn't, it makes people feel not enough, yeah. you know? And this is, um, the thing with your classes, like I've been to a few of them. I've taken people to a few of them. I've somehow met people in Melbourne that have been to your classes. <laughs> Shout out Genevieve. Um, and, you know, all the feedback is that a safe space is held. And it, I've, got to, I've got to say, mate, props to you. Some of my most kind of spiritual and, I don't know, just, just uh, moments of presence have been, uh, you know, with you at Think Focus Act. And, yeah, I guess something that I'm curious about just listening to you talk is with, the notion of social media and how that intersects with, you know, yoga and yogis and meditation and all that. Do you think, does it take away from like the notion of someone going to your class going, fuck this girl. I felt held. It was a relatively real practice. I'm going to recommend it to a friend. Do you think that social media is taking away from really good yogis getting exposure to students? Like, is that what I'm hearing that kind of, the aesthetic is pulling people in another direction to what the original intent of the practice was. That like, that is definitely, I think something that, that happens and it, you're always going to get students that once they're in a studio or going to a studio or going to a community that gravitate towards it, it you know, essentially it's half about personality and half about, authenticity it's just about holding space you know and people are going to gravitate gravitate towards you or not it's just that if you want to in the industry like if you're thinking about it in terms of being a teacher which you know I barely even see myself as because of all of my 
issues and not feeling like I fit in. But it's, you know, you need to be able to teach retreats. You need to be able to teach workshops. You need to be able to take it from just teaching studio classes to like things where you need a following, you know? Why is that, mate? Like, what's that about? Finances, like, mm-hmm. you know, and not to sound like a bitter, poor, single old lady here, but lots of successful yoga teachers have partners on 150K a year. You know what I mean? So they have the space to take risks with putting on a workshop if they don't necessarily have followers, X, Y, Z, you know? So it's, it's, there's just so many like intricacies and so much stickiness to, to what, is something really awesome, you know? Um, yeah. Cause I think that yeah. will surprise a lot of people listening just from the lens as a consumer of yoga. Uh, I had to throw it away cause I couldn't afford it. It's $30 a class. It's $30 for 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, my gym cost me 66 a month. So I think a lot of people listening will be surprised to know that as a yoga teacher, you actually can't live off that that's not an income so there's obviously a bit of systemic stuff going on there as well Mm, for sure for sure and there's different cultures depending on the different studios you work for you know um but essentially we're all subcontractors we don't have any you know um sick pay or any of those rights i suppose um Mm -hmm. and we have to do our taxes. I still owe so much fucking tax because I couldn't earn enough to save enough to pay my tax. And then the tax man's like, Hey, you owe thousands of dollars. I'm like, mate, I earned like fucking $25,000 this year. What do you want from me? Yeah, you know? uh, I'll hook you up with some yoga classes though. <laughs> it's yeah. a shame. It's, it's a shame. And you know, that's just coming from my experience of it, but I don't know. And like, I'm, being all principled about the social media thing. So maybe if I lessened this stupid, you know, mm. black and whiteness that I have going on, maybe I could have developed more of a following. Maybe I could have taught more things and I'm not a hard worker. I'm really not a hard worker. Mm. Like I love talking about philosophy in front of people, but I don't like to like push myself. So, you know, maybe I could have succeeded in a different way, but yeah. Well, I mean, I think again, it depends on your definition of hard work. Like, I mean, for me as a consumer, someone who's been to your classes and I think that you do, you work. I, I don't think holding space for 20 to 50 people is, you know, even if it's something that you're skilled at doing by that point, I do this with myself with mental health. I'm like, I fucking don't work that hard, man. Like every day, um, I do hold space for people in a very strange platform, which is online mental health. So I think it's easy to say that, but I I do think you do. I think that um, social media is very interesting at the minute because when social media, and like I'd love to kind of keep talking about social media on this podcast, because I do think that we really undervalue the effect it has on our feelings, on our emotions Mm -hmm. and our well-being. Oh God, you just need time. And sometimes it's like, if we just zoom out, who the fuck cares? Cause it's not actual life, is it? It's not. And I think th- this is my, always been my issue with it is with social media and our phones and how much time we spend on it. I think this kind of like existential fear of like just time gone into a construct. And I think that's, the problem with, you know, people creating social media accounts for their businesses and especially when your your person is involved in the business, you know, like teaching or podcasts or, you know, you're essentially selling yourself, it's it's a construct. It's not, it's not you. And you're talking about how you want to, like, show Nash doing a poo and also, like, have a nice setup, you know, that – that's because you're authentic, you know, and that's because you're putting yourself into it. But people's pages who is like curated every day, it's, it's not that. And it's so far removed from the reality of day to day. And that's what like, I don't get people consuming that. Yeah. Like that's all they consume. And I, I can't, I was like, you know what 2020 is going to be less fucking time on my phone because I have a real thing you know if I if I come back to what I said about the intention of yoga or why I practice to directly experience reality and the phone is such a like 
it's not reality. And I'm spending so much time not directly experiencing reality. So it's really contradictory to that intention. So anyway, the study, I'm like, you know what? Like way too much time on the phone, I'm gonna spend less. How much time am I spending on my phone right now? Like, it's horrific. My battery time is decreased like tenfold by 4 p.m. It's like, I can't take any more, Caitlin. Get your fingers away from me. I'm like, what's a funny thing I can post just for some sense of feeling inside of my body? You know, I want to throw it off the Westgate every day. But if I did that, I'd have to go after it because what else would I have left? I just guess that I hope that people right now are really gentle with themselves, even about phone addiction. Like if you're finding, like you said, that your phone's asking you to keep your fingers the fuck away from it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like um, The battery's dead in the middle of the day. Like just understanding that also this is our kind of primary sense of connection right now. And we're lucky in that sense. Like we are lucky, even though it's like we get digital burnout, we're becoming really digitally fatigued because because of COVID at the same time, it's like, well, how horrendous would it be to have a 20 cent text right now or a $50 <laughs> phone call a night on a landline? Imagine, imagine how much credit you'd have to go down to the 7-Eleven by credit oh. eight times a day. Yeah. It's, you know, I think it's just a part of the way we live and it's only going to get more integrated technology. I think I have this, um extremist view of it i suppose where i want to not have it you know and the the last time i didn't have it i think it was about two years ago my phone was cooked i have this thing with objects i just i can't look after them i can't have nice things and i i hadn't bought myself a phone it was just hand-me-downs from people okay then you can have my old iPhone six and then I drop it 17 times in a week and it's smashed. And, and then it finally, one day it just, I, I couldn't hear the button was falling off where you do something. And I threw it in the bin and I didn't get a new phone. And this is when I was living in Melbourne and I went for three months without having a phone in the city two years ago. Was that like going to a retreat for your brain? Yeah. It was amazing, you know, and I did not once come across any logistical issue. <laughs> I lived without all of my apps. I had my laptop, of course. I wasn't like some fucking tech free zone. So when I'd get to a place and connect to Wi-Fi, I could see my messages or I could, you know, check my messenger if people needed to arrange things. But I just had to be where I said I was going to be at that time. I couldn't change plans at the last minute if I was in transit and uh, you know, all the apps that we need, I didn't need. And I read heaps of books and, you know, the the sensations in my brain were just a little bit more. I think the problem for me is how jumpy we are when we're using our phone. Like, uh, oh, quick notification. What's up? Yeah. Oh, let's look at Instagram story, 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 different video, different video, different video. It's just completely reshaped the way our brain operates. And if you're at all prone to anxiety, it just, you know, it matches that, that um, nervous system pattern of heightenedness, yeah. you know, it's. And it's, if you're like currently like sucking air in your mouth and your heart's beating, it's 2020. So you're probably prone to anxiety. hundred <laughs> percent. If you're a young person, especially listening, I don't know why you're listening, but welcome. But if you're listening, I mean, this has been for them from the get-go. Like you and I remember the days of MSN and Hotmail. <laughs> like these are relatively MSN. Oh yeah, because you had to yeah. sit at the desktop computer and you had to like the phone had to be free. Oh, uh, my mum every night after four hours of me on MSN. Didn't you talk to them at school? Shut up, mum. What if someone's trying to call? Shut up. I'm flirting. I'm going to, I'm going to knock you off the internet. I'm going to pick the phone up and put it down three (laughs) times. I'll knock you off. Simpler times. No, but it's a really important just like point that you're making is that do not start to give yourself grief about how much you're using your phone right now. Like I'm, I'm talking about how much I'm using it and I'm talking about my disdain or my like want to not use it like that. But I'm talking like non pandemic time, you know, like Mm. right now, 
I, like, of course I'm using my phone all the time. Of course I'm lapping up like any little bit of like stimulation because I, I'm living on my own. You know what I mean? Like I'm not about to set myself some sort of meditation challenge or, you know, <laughs> 21 days path to abundance, path to abundance, uh, fill up your soul. PTA. No. Like, that's the thing too, like, fuck, you and I are sounding so fucking contradictory in this episode, but I love it. We are, humans are contradictory, like, flat out. You only have to look (laughs) at the fucking anti-vax movement to understand that. And that's the thing though, like, that's a whole other episode. Sorry, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have gone there. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I guess the thing is, there's practices you can put in place with your phone during the pandemic. But For definitely sure. don't give yourself grief if you're dependent on it. And and if you need to be dependent on it, um, go for it. I think just, you know, I think that after the pandemic, we can definitely be a little bit more black and white about it. But at the minute, maybe it's just about weaning. Maybe it's about leaving it in the kitchen instead of going for a walk around the block without it or whatever. Because um, it's just a weird time, you know, like it's a weird time. I think it's it's really challenging. Like, there's so many people coming at you too with yoga, wellness, uh, mindfulness uh, via social media and the internet. It's hard to know what to listen to. It's a bit of information overload as well. But if someone is interested in yoga, especially right now, which is a very challenging time to be interested in it because you can't access the studio as freely, depending on where you are in Australia or New Zealand. What should they be doing? Like, what do you suggest someone who's like, I love the notion of equilibrium and the spiritual practice that incorporates my body. Like what, what should they be doing as a first step? I think one of the biggest benefits at this point in time about yoga is it's because we're practicing in our lounge room, right? We have this ultimate convenience. So we haven't, A, we haven't wasted time or we don't need that extra time you know to finish work go to go to the studio get changed etc um be that concept of being intimidated by the other students and the feel of the studio etc the annoying people on the desk being nice to the people they know and not to the new people you know all of that is taken out of the equation now so you have the freedom to find a studio or find a teacher try a class you know it's a lot cheaper now because of the online content or online platform places are even doing um kind of intro online you know for 10 bucks for a week or this kind of thing so it's just a lot more accessible and it's not like you've um i don't know it's not this huge risk or this huge financial um what's the word i'm looking for investment to find out that you don't like that teacher or don't resonate with that practice or that style so i think it's great to just try something out you know there's a i even get overwhelmed with the oversaturation of yoga though right now sometimes i wake up i think i want to do a practice and i'm like all right will i do it with um this should do that should that should let me look up the times live stream or should i just do on demand you know and then i of course i don't do it <laughs> it's too, too it's much too much so, man that's a legitimate thing I think the best thing to do is just have a, have a little bit of a look, Mm. but not too much of a look, (laughs) you know, like find a studio, do one of their classes. So who, I mean, I'm I'm assuming they're all virtual right now. So it should be relatively Mm -hmm. accessible to everyone in the country. Where would like, are there there studios that you feel comfortable plugging? Totally fine. If not, uh, think focus app. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, my um, beautiful stepmom has a studio called Think Focus Act, and her classes are incredibly accessible. Um, mm. One of my faves, by the way, yoga. like I've been to a few, like I've been to a few across Melbourne now, a few different studios uh, from when I lived there. But uh, sorry, Sydney, I haven't been to any up here because of COVID. But I love Dyes. We studio in Newport. I just love it. It just feels like the closest thing to a congruent um, space in terms of spirit, like a spiritual healing or a presence. It's there's nothing wanky about it, but it's also not um, misaligned. Like it, 
Does that make sense? Yeah. Do my verbal uh, mouth words make sense? A hundred percent. And I think another key point to make too, um, when you're choosing somewhere, and this is harder for people that aren't like behind the scenes in the mm-hmm. yoga world and they don't know the ins and outs of the different studios, but some studios, the manager it owns a mansion in the Northern beaches, you know, and some studios are my stepmom, you know, <laughs> like with her studio that is her heart and soul. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's there's a big difference another um studio that i very happily plugged that i've been doing a few classes lately because i've been feeling very anxious and depressed um and needed something very like uh very safe is a studio called yoga corner and their owner who teaches amy she's so beautiful and the classes even the other teachers that i've done um which i hadn't done pre-covid just so accessible, you know, nothing wanky, nothing, you know, unachievable, nothing intense. And I always feel really like safe and soft, um, Mm. which is very important for me. So definitely happily plug them. Um, And kindred movement too. That's a really nice one to look up. Yeah. Yeah, If you're looking for something again, you're, you're always going to get diversity in teachers. Mm -hmm. Like, and (laughs) when you've done enough, yoga or being to enough studios you get to be really picky about what style you like you know but if you're just starting you don't know that and you just want to feel okay in your body so um yeah my best advice is just to give it a crack and if you don't like a teacher if you don't enjoy a class I guarantee you you're going to enjoy another teacher or that's it form like the 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 sadness about yoga is that people go to a studio they get one teacher with teaching one style and they fucking hate it because for whatever reason, they don't relate to what the teacher's teaching, which has happened to me often. Um, or the practice is too like physical or it's too wanky. It's too spiritual, you know, and they walk out and they go like, I don't like yoga. The breadth of it is insane. You know, there's so much. So just try another class, like give another studio or another teacher another crack the next week. It's not a huge financial investment at the moment. So that's kind of my advice. I, I also I hear a lot advantage of advantage of like the, the low, the low key investment right now. But even I think when sure. COVID's over, something I do like about yoga is most studios, at least in Melbourne, Sydney, uh, do this sort of two week trial thing where it's like a yeah. really low cost for two weeks of classes so you can kind of shop around a bit during trial periods as well yeah you just trial period your way around so you find something you like (laughs) (laughs) then maybe you go back there i did that in london that was a trial period haul but yeah it's it's actually there's a lot of positives to practicing at the moment um and if it's funny because lockdown 1.0 i was loving life because I was having a break. Like I needed, I needed space. I needed to be alone. I needed to, a few things off my schedule. So I was loving it. And I was so motivated to get up and just do a class like on YouTube or do a class in one of the on demand. So on demand means you practice whenever you want, like the video is mm-hmm. there and you pick it and you play it and you watch it. Lockdown 2.0, zero motivation. You know, if I'm not like signed in to a live class at, 9.30, paid my money, I ain't getting on my mat. So it's like, you know, either option, depending on your motivation levels is good. And I've done a few classes with my friend. She's like in the class as well. You know, we're not together, obviously, but, and that's really nice too. So if you can have some mm-hmm. kind of like pal accountability, that really helps too. It's interesting too to like note what resonates with people. Like, so obviously for me, it's not super wanky, that's why I like you teaching yoga. It's why I like Mike Philly. It's why I like uh, die. Very congruent. But some people like I went to one of the hip hop yoga places um, <laughs> in a city, Melbourne. What's up? There's a little bit of Chris Brown playing while I was doing some um, downward facing dog. <laughs> but my mate loved it. She just was like, I love the blend of like not really hearing the teacher or her instructions <laughs> or the practice. <laughs> but hearing hip hop instead and holding these poses. So, you know, I, it wasn't for me cause I love fucking love hip hop. So I thought I'd froth off it, but uh, yeah, I, I just, I guess it's such a spiritual practice. It didn't really marry for me uh, 
to have Chris Brown Brown playing while I was trying to listen to the teacher, but she loved it. And a couple of people in there certainly, they seem very free and really content with it. So yeah, I think it, it's, it is a really good idea to have a shop around and have a play with it. I think it's probably one of the coolest things about yoga is like, and meditation is that you kind of anything spiritual practice, anything present moment with your body and mind, like it's an opportunity to play and explore. There's no real wrong way of approaching it is there. Exactly. And I think that's where, you know, I hear it in so many people that are new to the practice, like, I'm doing it wrong. I'm not good at yoga (laughs) and like being good or being right. Like they're just, they're so irrelevant. You know, do you have a body, whatever form of body you have, are you able to like take some breaths? You're doing, you're fucking doing yoga. Like, you know, in one of the like ancient texts that yoga is based on, it only mentions the, the physical poses once. And that's in, context that you're preparing your body for meditation that's it you know once and there's like fucking hundreds of pages about yoga it's it's just there's there's so much to it that's not the shapes but you know in saying that too if you're just into the coolness of the shapes and how that feels in your body fucking awesome too you know what i mean like get on your mat for whatever reason bring you a little closer to who you are or bring you a little closer to what's really going on rather than what your uh, brain is curating or creating you know in the moment what do you love about it mate like what's your favorite thing about like the practice of it like if your ball's deep in the actual practice of it what's your favorite thing about it i've been thinking about this lately because i didn't practice for about a month to be honest when i was really low um Mm. recently because i didn't feel i didn't feel safe I didn't feel safe with teachers. I didn't feel safe to be with myself. I only felt safe in my fantasy book, you know? So I've been thinking, cause I've got back into my practice, which is amazing the last couple of weeks. And it's almost like when you have a break, then you get the chance to understand why you like it again. Cause when you smash it out, like five practices a week, like I used to, you know, sometimes you lose a bit of touch with why you're doing what you're doing. And, you know, so I, it's, it's awesome because I've been really reconnecting to that joy that I get from it. And it is literally the feeling of cohesiveness, you know, like uh, I go through my days feeling really fragmented a lot of the time, you know, cause I'm thinking about different things that I have to do or different things that worry me or different things, you know, about my future or, you know, all of these, um, different tenses I suppose that we're living in at the one time and other people triggering you and pissing you off and I suppose yoga you know it gives you a chance just to unite everything that's happening and again like I was saying before get get beyond the layers of shit because who I am or what's going on in the world is not all the things that I'm thinking you know and it's quiet it's it's so spacious it's so Mm. spacious when you get to that point it is quiet. Uh, there was one I went to, uh, maybe your second class, or I, there was the one I took Holly Noonan to, and I actually, right at the end of the practice where you do, is it Shavasana? Yeah. I just had a little cry, man. And later I reflected, it was the silence. It was the quietness. Uh, this is a very rare opportunity in my life to have quiet and it actually overwhelmed me which sort of tripped Mm. me out a little bit like it was really it was really Mm. beautiful and i invite like anyone that's listening just to give that a crack alone is to have that space and yeah lie lie down on the ground and close your eyes Mm. put your phone on do not disturb for five minutes you know meditation doesn't have to look like sitting up in a seat or like with a certain like method or a certain track it's literally like close your eyes, listen to your breath, like be still for a moment. You know, it can be a minute. It can be two minutes. It, and yeah. you know, that's, I haven't taught, obviously I haven't taught like a physical uh, class for a very long time. And the thing that I miss the absolute, absolute most is that last five minutes of quiet, like sharing that space with people is amazing. Mm. Um, it is so rare. We are without our phones for that amount of time. 
just being in the masses though like with 20 to 30 people in a room yeah and there's something very special about that shared energy but you know we don't have access to that at the moment so i think if you can get a bit bigger and a bit broader about Mm -hmm. it when you're doing it in your own home is that you strip it back to like the bare basics of humanity right if you close your eyes you get beyond all the intricacies of what you're thinking about you hear your heartbeat you hear your breath you feel your body in space Mm. every other fucking person on this planet right now breath heartbeat some form of body in space you know what i mean like we're united we're connected that like that's what spirituality is it's some sort of belief in the sense that there's something uniting us and that can be atoms it can be air you know it doesn't need to be this big supernatural understanding of like other forces or a higher power it's literally just the fact that we're experiencing aliveness like that's fucking amazing so much stuff gets in the way day to day that we forget it's so weird to be alive yeah that's that's absolutely beautiful thank you for like doing that with your mouth words that felt good. So before we go there, I do have to ask just because I fucking want to. So when you do footy players and you're teaching footy players yoga, like AFLW or whatever, how was that? Like, did how did they uh, respond to that? Because, you know, AFL, rugby league, rugby union, any sport really, it's very black and white. There's rules, there's strategy. And then you're bringing to them this, everything we've just discussed, which is just present focus now, no outcome. How did they go with that, do you think? Well, they laughed a lot. And I had to make a lot of jokes about like ass to face and I had to swear a lot to try to, you know, lighten lighten the mood. But it's interesting because, you know, maybe three, four years ago, it would have been really badly received, not badly received, but, you know, even more of a joke, I suppose, or just something, a tick box, like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this yoga session because it's good for us. But now it's it's such um, such a core part of, like, professional sport, like yoga and meditation. You look at, I mean, I'm biased here, but I'm going to talk about the Richmond Football Club. But, <laughs> you know, they've been so successful over the last three years. They have their mindfulness coach has been like heavily interviewed in um, the media and I've read quite a few interviews um, by her, but they have mindfulness and meditation sessions and they have been having for years. Um, And the way that they're trying to play is in the moment, you know, the way that they're trying to play is with love. Like they've Mm -hmm. talked about this openly about, and they made each other kind of share personal and emotional stories about each other so you can develop connection and mm. like it's something Your boy dusty still doing this i think that i saw on a game the other day the commentator said he's still doing his practice yeah for sure for sure so you know i think it's really cool how that's proven that what what actually um drives success what what it and what is going to make players and people successful it's enjoying what they're doing you know Mm. and you look you looked at um the 2017 grand final which was the first grand final we'd won obviously in very many long moons and times (laughs) and (laughs) at the start of the game the Adelaide team they did this like power stance you know where they stood and looked at the other team with this like attitude of um, intimidation aggression all these old school ideas about what sport competitive sport is um, and what it means to be the bigger and better team and they stood and they embodied that aggression and our team were like arms around each other laughing like the the warmth was just they they're having the fucking time of their lives you know Mm. we won the game We've had the successful next three years. Adelaide are fucked. You know what I mean? Like their their cohesiveness, their sense of playing together is just like become mm-hmm. a rebel and they, ha- they haven't won a, a game this year. You know what I mean? So that just sounded like such a bias, Richmond Boken right now. But what I'm trying to highlight is the fact that I think across all spectrums of life and living and performance and, and work and play, 
It's like mm. being engaged in the moment, being engaged in what you're doing without oh, I think, having I your think mind that's true. in the future is mm. is going to be better. And know? I think and like at, at a very um, surface level, that's true for a lot of the really successful. If you look at LeBron has a very similar approach to, you know, the amount of money he spends on mindfulness, well-being, philosophy to inform his mm. game and the same as, you know, the all blacks it's this holistic kind of culture that's fostered between staff management players so and and a connection to 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 culture and purpose um but yeah it's just great to hear like if you can break down those initial barriers of like dick bum bendy jokes yoga lol stupid wank but then get them to a place of like it's just about connecting guys. It's not a big deal. You know, it's like, let's connect and, and rip apart. Um, And change management's hard. Like if I think about kind of change management in a business, imagine it in a sports team. So Mm. it's great to hear that yoga and mindfulness can be used as like a diffuser. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's just, it's just all in the delivery. And like we were talking about earlier, that concept of accessibility you know like mm-hmm. <laughs> yoga is for everyone yoga is for sports people yoga is for you know people who are not in little lemon leggings and a, mm-hmm. with a size six body like it, it should be for everybody and the philosophy even is very very accessible you know so, so. for the 17 people listening they'll be slipping off their chairs with excitement right now about when the pandemic's over, they can finally uh, practice alongside Caitlin Taylor. Do you think you'll go back to practice face-to-face after all of this? I have no idea. I've got no idea what I'm doing with my life, um, with my work, with what I want to achieve or what I want to be or how that output is going to manifest in the world. I miss teaching. I... I think it's just a very unique part of me that gets fulfilled or gets used, uh, utilized. I, um, I miss the people that come to my classes. Mm-hmm. So I would say yes, but I owe so much money on my tax. <laughs> I hate being a subcontractor. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> am hopeless. <laughs> She's going to have to go work for the government for a couple of years, get on top of her tax, and then she'll think about it. Like <laughs> the rest of it. <laughs> Mate, that's completely nah, fine. So. Take your time with your tax. Just lodge it last minute. See if you can pull your super early. Get an audit later on. Fuck up your, <laughs> fuck up your shit. Go to I town. Really, there's much more important things to worry about right now <laughs> than tax or money or finances. So... For those uh, listening to the Sanitary Podcast, let's get you back on once the pandemic's over and see what you're doing. But in the meantime, a whole bunch of places you can check out. So let's go with, give me them again, Kindred. Our Kindred Movement, awesome studio, mm-hmm. legend of a person that runs it, Mandy. She's beautiful. Um, Think go Focus Mandy. Act. Die is running very accessible yoga classes um, and yoga corner. I really recommend Yoga Corner. They've got live stream and in demand, just like Kindred. Um, so you, depending on your motivation levels and different teachers too, just to check out what, mm. what you feel and what your vibe is. Or you can message me and if you pester me enough, I'll give you a Zoom class. <laughs> we never did our Zoom class. I know we need to do it. You know, like this is the thing with the podcast. If I could like get it to the people, that's something we could put together. We put together like a a virtual feels via yoga with Caitlin Taylor. Mm, but I'm not Joe Rogan. Are endless. Well, their possibilities and that's all they are. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so do that. And then also if you're somewhere that's not affected by a stage four lockdown like Melbourne, just fucking Google. Google away and hit up a studio and just get into it, I reckon. Um, probably one of the best things I ever did. I'm not doing it anymore, but it just opened me up to the concept. You know what it really opened me up to, dude? The concept of 
body, mind, and soul, like truly, truly learned about how much stress I was holding in my body just, just through going to, uh, even just yin. I felt it. Mm, My first mm -hmm. two or three yin classes, I remember texting you and be like, am I supposed to be in this much pain? If I'd go to a yin Mm. class now, I'd be fine. But Mm. there was so much tension in my body. Well, there's so much trauma too, you know, everything's stored from all the shit that we've endured and encountered. And, you know, as, as spiritual as you want to get, like your body is still with you in this process of learning, you know, um, and this process of like pure engagement with what we're experiencing. So it's relevant. It's important. I used to tap out from my body because I was like, no, I'm all about the mind. I'm all about philosophy and psychology, blah, blah, blah. And like, I forget about my poor body. And then, you know, I realized that it's always there. It's always there. Always. Interconnected. It's a really good, really good vehicle. You've made my soul and my mind froth at the tip. Like a, like a man <laughs> with a semi heading towards a stiffy. I'm actually probably post-stiff, if I'm honest. Thank you so much. That's a You're penis so soul metaphor. How do you feel about it? Um, it made me realise how much I lack penis in my life. Thank you for that. Fantastic. Thanks for coming, mate. You're, you're, you're the, um, the, the cream to my scone, the jam to the cream on that scone emotionally. Mm scones delicious thank you thanks for having me no thanks for having all right well we're fucking wrapping it up bye bye